You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Grand Rising and good morning, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Welcome to the Morning Update Show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, and we want to welcome you to another magnificent Monday, always magnificent, right here in the Black Media Matters studios. Anytime I get to do this with my co-host with the most, you know who that is. That's Big O in the building. What's up, Big O? Trey Holiday. Hey, happy Monday. Yeah, happy Monday to you. Looks like we're matching today, I know, too. Huh? I know. Look at that. No, it's good stuff. Top of the week to you. Um, man, you know, we're, we got to, um, well, it's a few things we got to update people on. So, but this was going to be beloved week, our beloved, our gun violence disruption week, but there's been so much response from community stakeholders who want to participate in it. that We've actually moved the date now to April 25th. So the last week of April, a lot of heavy people are going to be on the show. And I think our community is going to get a lot out of it. Oh, that's really great. I'm glad to hear that. Cause I know that I've been talking to people in the community and there's a lot of folks who are part of this and I'm glad we'll be able to hear from all of them. That's awesome. Yeah, and so you know, today I've, I figured uh, since we, we we didn't plan guests for this week, but it's good because we got a whole week of discussion. People really like when we chop it up about things. Yeah. Um. So I figured today we'll we'll discuss a few things. So of course, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, um, uh, uh, heading to the Supreme Court. We got participatory budgeting, but then also you know <clears throat> this was this came up really uh, on a few of different of our shows last week when they talked about how people are saying uh, a lot of people in in our larger black community, you know, they, they say that Russell Wilson's corny. Russell Wilson is like, you know, he's cornball or this and that. And you get a lot of pushback from especially black women is like, hey, you know, this guy, he, he goes to work every day. He's a family man. He takes care of his business. So we want to talk about here, you know, the, this concept of square and cool and how this perception might be impacting the black family. Um, man, also want to talk about how important our symbols of art and culture are. You know, the soul pole, you were there, came back there to 23rd and Yesler. So, you know, we want to, we want to touch on that. Also this BLM thing, you know, uh, man, $6 million crib is to be talked about. So lots of stuff to dive into today. You know what? I love when we can have some open discussion. Oh, so I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's going to be a lot, obviously, to dive into. I'm ready. All right. Good stuff. If you're ready, then I am, too. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update Show. I want to remind you that right now, right now is the perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in the windy today, Emerald City. Want to give a big shout out to our partners over at KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College and also the South Seattle Emerald. You can listen to the Morning Update show and all of our other shows, including The Truth With Proof. Yeah. Um, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast, we got SoundCloud over there in the links, but you can also find us on Google, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Time to show right now. So remind everybody, uh, especially those in community who might be vaccine hesitant or have questions about the vaccine, hereforuswa.org. Um, and you can go there and get like we like to say, culturally relevant uh, content around the vaccine, um, around booster shots, you'll be taking it or not, um, testing, a lot of other resources, but especially for people 
might be hesitant and want more information. Yeah, I mean, we're, we've been talking about this. I understand the hesitancy, right? There's been so many different things with COVID, ups and downs, spikes, and then, you know, um, a lot of the loosing of these regulations and, you know, they're no longer enforcing a lot of things, but it's great to still be informed. COVID is still out there. I know somebody who I was just, um, uh, you know, talking to, they're like, look, I'm, I'm at home with COVID. So it's still out there. You know, we want to make sure that we're keeping our safe, uh, ourselves safe and healthy healthy check out that resource all right um want to continue to be intentional here and talk about ford culture the ford Port culture project grants that deadline is april 20th we we've got a new psa on there people will see that when we go to break t-dub as usual talking about uh, uh all the good stuff over there for culture but this is a great grant program and and man they put a long timeline uh, you know for for this still open until the 20th yeah, you know, that's what I'm talking about. The lead time is important because, uh, you know, you're talking about artist communities. Oftentimes it takes a long time to get these projects together. So I love that they've given enough lead time so people understand this funding around arts, preservation and heritage. All right. Good stuff. So Thursday when we went on air is uh, I believe when the Senate voted and uh, Katanji Brown Jackson um, she got confirmed 53 to 47. There was three Republican senators who, who voted for her. And we didn't get to talk about it then because actually we got the news when we were going off air. And of course, Friday is feel good Friday. So today thought that we would give this a few minutes. Uh, first, I want to start off with a clip right here from CBS Mornings. Representation matters. That was the focus of the celebrations here at the White House yesterday, marking Judge Jackson's ascension to the highest bench in America. It's a powerful thing when people can see themselves in others. Campaign pledge fulfilled, President Biden emphasized the historic significance of the moment. We're going to look back and see this as a moment of real change. The president had promised, if given the chance, to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court, the first out of 115 prior appointments. I am just the very lucky first inheritor of the dream of liberty and justice for all. Judge Brown Jackson thanked her supporters, her family, and a higher power. I have to give thanks to God for delivering me as promised and for sustaining me throughout this nomination and confirmation process. That process was contentious. No, Senator, I didn't say versus. That's exactly what you said. Republicans on the Judiciary Committee accused the former public defender of being soft on crime and an extremist. But in the end, they didn't have the votes to stop her nomination from going forward. And this nomination is confirmed. They confirmed Jackson by a 53 to 47 vote. It included Republicans Mitt Romney, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. They deserve enormous credit for setting aside partnership and making a carefully considered judgment. And Vice President Harris, the first black woman to hold that job, said she wrote a note to her goddaughter during the confirmation vote. And I told her that I felt such a deep sense of pride and joy and about what this moment means for our nation and for her future. And I will tell you, her braids are just a little longer than yours. <laughs> and when she's sworn in, probably later this summer, Jackson will join the most diverse Supreme Court in history with four women and three justices of color. 
Well, man, there we go right there. I'm so glad that we got some time to talk about this today. What a historic moment uh, for our country, as President Biden said there, but also too, you know, it, it's great to see that there is an opening. Yes, we saw the contention, but I'll stay on the positive here that we really are seeing uh, an opening of inclusivity. And I think that it is so necessary for our country when we talk about this country being one of the most diverse countries in the world, really a, a world country, honestly, bringing so much beautiful talent from all over the world here. And, you know, as, um, you know, descendants of slaves, for those of us that came over here in in those ships and our ancestors came over here, we didn't have that choice, but we really made this our home. And honestly, I love seeing this uh, happen for our nation. I think it's a, it's a proud moment indeed. Oh, well, yeah, definitely for sure. It's a historic moment. And you know, this is the American story and she's an American and we are, we are part and parcel of the American story and definitely deserve representation. I do want to bring up something there, right? When they said at the end, of, of that segment there is this is the most diverse court ever, right? When, when they talk about, uh, what is it, uh, four women and th three three people of color or, or reverse there, that, my friend, so it's good. We see that and we see representation. There's a whole nother part of America that feels threatened and triggered. But believe me, you know what I'm saying? They see that their their Supreme Court, even though a lot of conservatives, they still have the majority in the court, but they see the face of this court changing. And and this is why you, you see the far extremist right. They went all the way extreme, extreme, but because they're activating that base of, of a lot of white men in America who feel very threatened by the way they see America changing. And so when we saw that bubble to the surface there with with uh, with this nomination process. But this is definitely, you know, a great moment. It's definitely a historic moment. And, you know, one thing we know for sure here in America is at any time we take any steps forward, we better be on the lookout for some people to try to drag us back. Yeah, you're so right about that. Oh, I mean, that's really just the reality that we live in. The The crazy part to me is, and it always is when I think about this, it's like, for centuries, uh, so many things have been led by white men. And yet we see that it has caused so much harm to other communities. So the ideas of, you know, uh, America truly reflecting its brilliance uh, means that it needs to be diverse. A lot of things uh, need more and more diversity. We've been talking about this at the corporate level with CEOs, you know, uh, opening up positions to more people from the global majority, uh, you know, women is not just it can't just be white men and white women because really there's no real dominant culture here. We talk about this su white supremacy or whatever people say, but I don't really I, I think that there's so much more than that. And it's really that we need to actually reflect the brilliance that's here in this country. Look at what's made this country great. We talk about black people pushing the culture all the time and it still is real and alive and well to this day. So, uh, you know, here we go, you know, with those who have the the uncomfortability of dealing with diversity, but it's just a true reflection of what we have in the country. Right. And I think one of the good things uh, about Justice Brown Jackson is highly qualified. 
you know, people can always disagree on ideology, but qualifications, you'd be like, mm, you know, I, I mean, she is she's highly qualified for for the position. And it's a lot of important cases um, that are coming to the Supreme Court in the fall um, that, that she'll be able to weigh in on. So, you know, important one, want to get your feedback. You know what I'm saying? There's a black woman right there. And you saw you saw the black woman vice president and everything else, you know? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is great. It is great to see this. And that's why, you know, for many in the black community, people are just celebrating this time. I mean, we, we say it's about time, right? Uh, we waited a long time to be, uh, you know, to have a black woman in this seat. Um, but honestly, it, you know, not only is it about time, but we're just excited that it's come to pass right we and actually we got another n national story here before we break into this thing about participatory budgeting the unclapback culture mike davis and julia man clapback's the joint if y'all ain't watching clapback you gotta watch that i want to be uh, like on clapback <laughs> i'll be telling you i'll be ready to clap about a lot of stuff but man mike davis and this is what caught my ear he did the show right here from the studio um on thursday and they talked about this Will Smith. And I don't want to go too deep into the whole Will Smith thing or whatever. But Mike Davis was pointing out. He, he was like, yo, he was like Hollywood, especially white Hollywood, is acting more traumatized than, than, than Chris Rock. He, he was saying that it's like, man, it's the, the, the trauma Olympics. You know what I'm saying? We, we, got this, we got this clip right here. Mike Davis and Julia Jesse, Clapback Culture, will come back right after this. Hollywood is not about to let a black man embarrass them. That's really what it's about. Ooh. It didn't hurt nobody. He did it. He made a mistake. He said, sorry, we would have moved on. You know what I'm saying? I also think that just where we are as a society and where we are culturally, whenever something is on camera, it becomes overblown. You know what I'm saying? Like he did it on stage at the Oscars and we all see it. So now everybody has to jump on the trauma Olympics and try to be the most hurt. Yeah. It's crazy. If he would have slapped Chris Rock backstage, we would have moved on. But since it happened in front of us, like it's corny. It's <laughs> super corny. And everything that you said is true. I just hope that he doesn't actually get blackballed because that's wild. Because the things that people actually get away with is wild. Even at the Grammys. Like, mm -hmm. y'all, Google Roman Polanski. Google what he did with that little girl, the way that he literally had to flee the country to escape jail. And they still gave him the award and he wasn't even there to accept it. So, like, acting like the Oscars is this sacred place, man, it's not that sacred place. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're corny, man. Hollywood is hella corny for what they're doing right now. Oh my God, I've never heard the Trauma Olympics. What did you say? You said this I mean, is that's what they're doing, man. That's what all of these white Hollywood folks is doing. They're all racing to be the most hurt. You know what I'm saying? Judd Apatow talking about he could have killed them. Like, really, dog? With that open hand slap that didn't even make them step back two inches? Yeah. And you got corny Amy Schumer that hasn't told a funny joke a day in her life jumping out talking about how hurt she is and now the studios is trying to pull his projects man white folks calm down <laughs>
first of all, you got to give it up to Mike and Jules for keeping it all the way 100 on clapback culture. Look, Mike, you are absolutely right. I love the term trauma Olympics. And let's just be real. This is not the first time that we have seen this. We talk about this outside of Hollywood all the time, right? When we talk about, you know, people who want to talk about the black struggle in America and they're so hurt, they're so traumatized by it, yet they actually benefit from a ton of white privilege. This is real at the end of the day. I love the term trauma Olympics. It's definitely going to get some play in my playbook, Mike Davis, because you're absolutely right. And furthermore, I think he is right. You know, uh, Hollywood is being corny. You know, the, the man got the award because of his acting skills, portraying Venus and Serena's father and King Richard. He did a fantastic job. That's why he was getting that award. So to even think, oh, well, you know, your decorum was this and, you know, publicly you did that. No, the man should be able to keep the award. He apologized. Chris Rock is moving on. His ticket sales have now increased by so much, like 40, 50 percent. His his ticket sales are going crazy right now. I think the lowest um, that I just read was three hundred and like forty one dollars to go to a Chris Rock concert. I mean, to go to Chris Rock show. So really, I mean, both sides should be able to do their own thing and settle this privately even though it was a public act i think that is it's really i like his word it's corny and people are hopping on those trauma olympics man, man. that's real so yeah so chris rock first of all chris rock said he ain't talking till he get paid you know what i'm saying that's something salman would say hey bro <laughs> i'm not talking <laughs> you know what i'm saying chris rock said i'm not talking till i get paid as you know and i just man, do do your thing but the thing is so Everybody, you know, they're jumping on, you know, they're they're putting this movies on pause. They're doing this. They're doing that. Man, these people acting so trying. I mean, what's not traumatizing to these people? If Chris Rock, if, if the slap traumatized you, what is watching this war in Ukraine doing to you? You know what I'm saying? Everything can't be an emergency. Everything can't be the worst thing ever. And all these guys are coming in. It's great. How are they more traumatized than Chris Rock? Chris Rock's back on the road. He's working. He's like, yeah, I'll talk about it. You pay me and move on. But these guys are trying to find ways to basically, you know, blackball Will Smith. Should he have done it? No. Was it a wise decision? No. But, man, are you really traumatized by that? And I'm like, it. Hollywood, of all places, is the biggest purveyor of violence in the world. These guys basically make billions of dollars off of violent films. And for them to say they're traumatized is wild, yo. No, you know what? You're so right about that. Oh, and, and let's just be real here. If there is any real trauma to be had, it's in the history of this nation. Okay, let me just be real. It's in the history of colonialism. You're talking about the global history of literally killing killing millions and millions of people, enslaving millions and millions of people, literally creating industries based off of free labor. And yet you're okay with all of that history because, oh, that was in the past. This is something that you got to witness on, on TV or if you were there in the audience, you're witnessing it, it in person. You gotta be kidding me. One slap is, is trumping um, the 
the the crazy craziness of our history here, not I only mean, in this country but globally. Come on, man, be traumatized by something real. These guys are good at at, at transferring. You know, some some issue now. Their trauma now. It's sorry. I wonder how traumatized Hattie McDaniel was for winning that Oscar and had to receive it back in the storage room. There you go. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I wonder how how traumatizing that was. Not even to be allowed. You know, in the arena, and people put too much weight in the Oscars. Now there is a documentary, documentary uh, category, and a few other categories. This is make believe. Yeah. A lot of this stuff in somebody's head, and they put it on screen. Like I'm never gonna oversay like what we do right here. You know, I, yeah, I think it's a big deal, but like in 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 the scope of things, these are people who, man, they make films. And the film is great. We make films here too, but for for them to put some kind of cloak of oh my god, and it was it was at the Oscars and everything else. See now they're taking it too far, and people like Mike and especially Black Twitter and everywhere else they push him back. They're like, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? And especially you're gonna be talking that to us who we see real deal trauma, like real trauma every day. Get out. Yeah, I agree. I I really love this term of the trauma Olympics. I think it really goes to so many different things that we're seeing happen here. Uh, We've been seeing it, honestly. I mean, we're talking about this, this whole idea around a Karen, right? It's oh so traumatized by things that are not traumatic at all. This is something that is real, man. We see it time and time again. Yeah, I mean, look, look at Look at the narratives that Hollywood has put out that's being that's been reinforced globally. Remember, for years and years, you know, it was all these these movies. Everybody from the Middle East is a terrorist and this and that. You know, the movies, you watch the movie The Kingdom and you watch all these other movies. You know what I'm saying? What's the impact on the psyche of somebody who's Arab in America or Arab around the world? Where every all these movies, these blockbuster movies come out. Hollywood has been a constant reinforcer of uh, of negative perceptions. People all around the world. Oh, okay. Let let's let's make every Latin a, a person a drug dealer and a drug trafficker and everything else. You know, Hollywood has stereotyped every ethnic culture and uplifted white people on the screen. And we supposed to cry about that. You know how many people have watched a Hollywood movie and because they have lack of, of, of relationship with people from other cultures, they see that as real. They see those perceptions yeah. as real. So anyways, <laughs> that, that's that. We're going to bring it back here locally. We got something here from Capitol Hill, Seattle blog. Some we've been talking about participatory budgeting. Um, and we'll we'll put that up right there. This is from the Capitol Hill Seattle blog. And um, with only one organization stepping forward, Seattle selects administrator for the $30 million participatory budgeting process born out the 2020 uh, protests. And uh, basically it says here the participatory budgeting project. That was the group. And this is also the same group that lobbied uh, for this as well. Um, they're going to come in here, man, and run this this program. Thirty million dollars should be about twenty seven million now. Three million was left for the for the black brilliance for for them to come up with the um with the the skeleton of it. And basically, they're saying right here that the participatory budget project will align closely with the black brilliance research project vision, deeply engaging with local communities and hiring Seattle personnel. Now, this this group here, the participatory budgeting project. They don't they don't have any roots here in Seattle um, or, you know, any people here in Seattle. So they yeah, clearly they got to hire Seattle people um, to be able to make this work for them. But they're moving forward. You know, it was a bit of a surprise to me 
that there was only one organization and you know of course wish that organization the best of luck you know this is a this is a heavy lift this is one of the biggest participatory budgeting processes i think in history yeah. in the, in the united states this this getting ready to happen here and it's over there in the office of civil rights yeah, this is going to be interesting indeed. I think there were so many people that were pushing for participatory budgeting. And ultimately, I think when we talk about, um, you know, the, the Black Brands research, a lot of this was how do we uplift the voices that are normally not included in these types of processes? And so I think it's going to be interesting to figure out how to uh, conduct those measures around, you know, ensuring that Black voices really are heard. This is something that's open to, you know, all of Seattle. And so it's really going to be interesting indeed. I think the marketing of this is going to really play a key role in how it really interjects with some of those communities that are often left behind. I know that this process is also happening at a smaller scale in some of the um, unincorporated areas of King County. And so, you know, they've been doing some really specific ways, uh, things that they've been doing in terms of marketing and directing it directly to the people. So it'll be interesting to see how this process unfolds. Right. And so, well, and a few things here. First, First of all, uh, interim director, Office for Civil Rights, Derek Wheeler-Smith, he had this to say right here. We'll, we'll put an overlay up on screen. This was in the press release that came out. Um, we are excited to award this contract to participatory budgeting project and begin to invest this funding into community. We've seen through other municipalities that participatory budgeting can be a transformative process for marginalized communities to hold power and thrive in the decision-making process for self-investment. So here's the thing, though. Here's the challenge we have in Seattle, even as opposed to when you talk about unincorporated King County. So the areas where um, participatory budgeting is happening in unincorporated King Counties is, is really in those geographic areas, right? And meaning meaning that like, say somewhere like Skyway or out on the other side of Federal Way and things like that, right? And so that community basically gets to say in the participatory budgeting. Here in Seattle, at least as, as it was last outlined and we'll see how this rolls out, the whole city gets a say. So that would almost be like all of King County getting a say on how participatory budgeting should work in Skyway, right? And so participatory budgeting here in Seattle, and we need to remember that the $30 million um, that came out of, directly out of response of the Seattle protests and $100 million that Mayor Durkin had pledged basically to, to community. And so now the challenge with the participatory budgeting here is gonna be, this is $30 million that's supposed to impact Black and brown people, right? Now, if you just took black people, black people make up 7% of the population. That means that we have to convince 93% to go along with ideas and things that are best for us. It's not as simple as I've just explained, but basically the whole city having a voice on this means that, um, you know, somebody in North Seattle, you know, who, who might not be... It, dealing with the same issues the black people are in South Seattle. Everybody has a voice on this. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this can stay focused on directly impacting 
black people. And that's exactly what this money came out to do. Yeah, this is really the interesting point that you make here. Oh, I think this is why we even saw a bit of pushback on participatory budgeting process when originally that $100 million was dollars from uh, Mayor Durkin's office, uh, former Mayor Durkin, was uh, directed to the black community. And then um, she kind of had to retract that. And, and, you know, then it became for this BIPOC communities and then it got broken down into different sectors. And so we see a a portion of that money now here in participatory budgeting. But there was some concern that exactly what you're talking about, oh, how do you, um, you know, convince really um, those other folks outside of the black community that, you know, the ideas that are going to come forward really need to target communities that have been divested from for many years. This is something that I think is really key because so much of this is about the history. But once you know that history, what are you willing to do about it? And it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with this trauma Olympics, right? Because again, we have some real atrocities that have happened here for black and indigenous communities in particular um, in Seattle that, you know, we need to be thinking about how this money can kind of repair those harms. You know, many people out in the streets were calling for reparations and this came out of that call. This came out of that process. We'll see how it unfolds, but I think targeting direct communities and then educating other communities that that may, this money may not go to you, Mercer Island. It may not go to you up north, right? But really, how can you be a part of something larger that can really allow the city to repair past harms? Right, right. And so, and just just uh, a reminder here, some questions here in the uh, in the comments. What we're talking about here is a participatory budgeting program for the municipality of Seattle. Uh, Triana had mentioned um, Skyway. There's a different participatory budgeting process going on for unincorporated uh, King County. Also want to uh, mention as well that Mayor Durkin, uh, she kept her word and, and in her budget. She put another 30 million in for, you know, in her last budget, uh, which would have made the pot 57 million dollars. City Council went another direction. They have to put that $30 million somewhere else. But, you know, I, I think that what people need to realize as well is like, that. yes, there's a 30 million less, well, 27 million, now less like two point something million for them to actually, for, for this organization to, to operate it, which would leave about, it's gonna be about 24 million and some change. But I'm wondering how much money is going to have to be spent basically in marketing and lobbying, because if it's a citywide process, like I have to convince you, you know, we have our community meetings all over the city. I have to convince you like, hey, this is this is the best thing. But also this is open for the whole city. So different people can be like, nah, you know, I really think it could go this way, that way. I'm not I'm definitely not hitting this with any doom and gloom. And, you know, as usual, you know, anything that's going to benefit our community, we want to be able to uplift support and everything else. But that is a concern. It really is. And also, too, let's be uh, 100% about this as well, is that when we talk about the um, the suggestions for where the money should go, that's also open to all of Seattle. So, uh, again, you're talking about a lot of people being able to say, well, hey, we need money over here. We need money over there. There's certain this. There's an opening of the process that doesn't just ask people to vote on things that are coming from one community, but it does mean that it has to be open open to, you know, different initiatives or different ideas about how money should be spent outside of that community. That is also a part of this, though. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I, I think that 
when when we talk about you know the, this process and this money this is the last money out right so the rest of the 100 million actually came out la last year um all the different places it was broken down 30 30 30 and 10 all all the other money is on the street except for this 30 right here and you know hopefully it'll be it'll be coming out soon as they get everything up and running but you know, people people need to keep an eye on this. We need to keep an eye on this and keep an eye on the process and everything else. And not because I think it's shady, but because if you don't make your voice heard around this 30 million, man, it might end up serving some community that, you know, that wasn't intended for. Um, you, you know, this is people, people literally came to the streets. This was the response of people coming to the streets um, and so, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But this is something we're definitely keeping an eye on. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I am I love that right here on Converge. We'll be making sure we follow the money on this one and encourage all of you guys to stay connected to this process, uh, particularly for all of you guys out there that came out of your houses in 2020 that, you know, uh, participated in the protest movement um, and really uh, was trying to make sure your voice were heard was heard then. We had a lot of solidarity then. Now, that was two years ago at this point, but a lot of solidarity across communities because people understood uh, not only just police violence and brutality, but a, a long list of things that have really negatively affected black communities. So, uh, you know, I'm really like encouraging folks to have that same solidarity through this process. Right. And, and I would say this, right, is that looking at the qualifications for people, like they said they were going to serve, I think it's maybe 25 members on a committee that are going to serve. And a lot of people who, you know, have been impacted, maybe somebody who's incarcerated, um, somebody, a victim of, of violent crime. Uh, you know, there, there's all these different categories. One category, though, that I didn't see there is a category that, like, my kids are in, right? There isn't, I mean, I, I, I see right now, and we'll look again, we'll, we'll reach out to Derek Wheeler-Smith and OCR, but what about, what about people in our community who have done everything right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, haven't been in trouble with the law. And maybe they, you know what I'm saying? Uh, went to school in college. You know, they don't have a voice. Both my kids have been deeply impacted by, by the things in our community, especially gun violence and everything else. Right. And I think that not having a space for people who don't necessarily check a box Right. That excludes. I mean, you know, look, look at your kids. You know what I'm saying? The, does your son have a voice? Right. Do my do, the, do my kids have a voice? We also have to have a voice in our community for people in our community who are impacted by everything, but don't fit into some category. I agree a hundred percent on this. And um, it's another reason that I mentioned the process happening in unincorporated areas of King County. One of the things that I really appreciate about their process is that it's open to uh, folks that are as young as 12 years old, right? Because again, you don't get to dictate who's been impacted by uh, divestment, who's been impacted by gun violence, who's been impacted by oppression or systemic uh, racism. 
them. You don't get to determine that. But the idea that, you know, they said, look, we want to hear from folks as young as 12 to tell us how we're going to invest this money. I think that that is so important here when we talk about regular community members who have lived through all of these things and still survived and thrived through it. They still have really a, a voice in this. And I think you're absolutely right. Oh, there needs to be people that don't necessarily check mark off a certain box, but their their lived experience reflects that impact. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'll leave it this in Seattle. So the, the thing is an unincorporated King County where you're talking about is open to 12, but it's limited to that geographic area exactly. of, of the community. In Seattle, they were saying it'd be open to people as young as 10, but it's the whole city. Yeah. It's the whole city. We're going to take a quick break right now. Great conversation this morning. We're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what's cool and what's square and how it's impacting the black family. You're watching the Morning Update Show. Hey y'all, it's T-Dub once again bringing you the word on art funding in King County. Are you working on an arts heritage or preservation project? Well, get that project you've been dreaming of underway today as applications for Four Cultures project grants are now open. Project Grants is one of the largest grant programs Four Culture offers, supporting the creative endeavors of individuals and groups working in the arts heritage and preservation. They have a lot of resources available to help you navigate the process, including virtual workshops happening weekly. But I'm going to take a quick moment to break down the three categories for project funding. There's funding for art projects, whether you're an individual or a group, no matter your style or discipline, Four Culture has you covered. Heritage projects fund works on covering, illuminating, and sharing the rich history that is all around us in King County. So if you're working on an oral history research or an online exhibition, Heritage Projects can fund it all. And preservation special project grants are designed to support efforts to preserve and safeguard a historic site or building in King County. This includes neighborhood surveys, landmark nominations, and much more. The deadline to apply is April 20th, so head over to fortculture.org slash project grants for more information. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks, to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. Welcome back to the Morning Update show. What I remind everybody as well, Salman has put the link in the comments to the article there, Capitol Hill Seattle blog uh, that we referenced talking about participatory budgeting. Um, Trey Holiday. So this was interesting. This was this hit all of our shows last week, or shows meaning like the factors and clapback culture. Where we talked about there was a, a podcaster who was going off on basically Sierra and, and Russell Wilson saying that Sierra was only with Russell because of his money and that like he's corny. You know what I'm saying? They're like, you know, we basically called up a cord ball and everything else. And, you know, we, we talked about it briefly that day when Julia was here um, before their show and talked about how dangerous that perception is in, in, if it's damaging, you know, our, the, the, our young people's perception of what's cool and what's not. I mean, you know, you go to work. If you can play in the NFL, win a Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? How Sierra is your wife, family man, a businessman, endorser, and you're corny. You know, and 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 young people, especially young women, are looking at that like, oh, this guy is corny. 
You know what I'm saying? And so this was a big topic. And man, the clapback culture. So so Julia disagreed and Mike agreed. Mike was like, ah, Russ is courting. You know what I'm saying? But I thought what, what Julia said here was important, especially coming from the perspective of a black woman. At the end of the day, I mean, think about Russell Wilson. He's a great family man. He's a great athlete. Yes. He's a great husband. And yes. he's a stand-up dude. If that's a square, yes. then we need to reevaluate what's really going on. I'm going to tell you right now, not only do we need to reevaluate it, but we need to actually uh, reclaim uh, corny is cool. I'm going to just be honest with you because I think about my son and the way that I'm raising him is for him to not have a, a felony record. I don't want him to have to ever, you know, go to jail for anything. I want him to know that, you know, him having great grades, you know, uh, following the rules, you know, doing his chores, all of those things makes him super cool, right? So I'm thinking about my 16-year-old because, you know, I, I I realize some of the music he listens to and I go, it doesn't reflect you at all. And he's like, oh, I like the beat, whatever. You know, we talk about his music choices all the time. But I think you're absolutely right there what Jules said in terms of we need to just redefine what cool is. And as a woman, now I'm a single black woman, okay? And I'm going to tell you this much. Um, many black women who have probably gone through the phase of being with whatever people consider to be cool, somebody who's got uh, other issues and you're dealing with those issues. I'm going to tell you right now, um, you know, having somebody that's just kind of calm, conservative, like really chill. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And when you're talking about a person who does what they're supposed to do, look, Omari, I'm thinking about you because it's like, look, you go to work. You go home, you do your thing, right? I mean, what? And so now you're corny? Listen, Is that what we're saying? Listen, I'm as, I'm as corny as they get, I guess. Because, you know, we got a saying here at Converge, man. Work hard, stay humble, take your ass home, yeah. right? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, and, and, and that's the thing is, is that um, in in high school, I was, you know, I played sports. I did all these things, you know what I'm saying? But was real focused on, on future, on the future and everything else. You know, I fit in a lot of categories. All my, you know, all my partners, they, they fit into the super cool category. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it, it isn't until later in life. And when, when a lot of our young people, especially our young women, when they come into grown women and, you know, and they, then it's the security of it. You know, a, a, a relationship, you know what I'm saying? There's nothing there's nothing wrong with going to work every day. There's nothing wrong with, you know, building a savings and investment and pension. There's nothing wrong with with being out front uh, 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 family bed. You know what I'm saying? And that that don't mean that somebody might not be the dad with the bad jokes. <laughs> dad who might embarrass. Oh, man, here comes my dad or this or that. But. You know, for for us to to kind of put people in a category who are who are examples of doing what you really should be doing for our family, especially now more than ever. You know what I'm saying? That's what we need. I mean, basically, I'll be honest with you, Trey Holiday, Big Mama and them, Papa and them, they were the biggest squares ever. And that's yeah. how they got us here. And they were they were square enough to be able to save and buy the, all them houses that we had there in the central district, all this property that we've had and everything else. All, all these things, man, that was that was our square grandparents and great grandparents who just knew like, man, you know what? Let me do what I need to do every day to push things forward.
I'm going to tell you right now, even as a young woman, okay, my, my choices of partnership was let me go for somebody that I know is going to care for me, love me, and, you know, uh, we can build a family together. That was it. So the ideas of that not being cool, that's ridiculous to me. I think that you're absolutely right when we talk about the history of those who worked hard. We're talking about folks that came out of being enslaved, got, got their freedom and did their thing. We, when we think about the, the symbols that are behind us on this wall, the roaring towns, black towns of the 20s, we talk about that as a staple right now, wishing that we had it right this moment. That was full of people who did what they were supposed to do, went to work, created businesses, created industries, had their families, secured their wives and their families' lives for the future. This is what we're talking about right now as something that's a real staple. And let's just be real here too. We're talking about this podcaster who was literally, you know, comparing Russell Wilson to uh, her ex future who has, I don't know how many babies moms. And, you know, at the end of the day, is that what we're considering to be cool? We understand that there's a certain stereotype or reflection that goes around when it comes to hip-hop culture or rap culture right and there's this kind of you know uh again like these characteristics that are embodied there but when you think about what you really want at home you want somebody who's going to value family somebody who's going to value what they do love their wife you know at the end of the day secure their family there's nothing wrong with that and, and i'm telling you right now i think it's really like, I feel like, did this podcast or do this just so everybody would be talking about it because it's so obtuse? Like, well, it's so ridiculous that it's like, let me talk about something that is so out there is going to make other people talk. Because this is re ridiculous, honestly, what he was talking about. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's actually a good thing to be talking about. You know, the, it, it ends up it's a good thing for discussion here because, you know, we 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 our community we need to reinforce our values yeah. we cannot leave our values uh, and and the, our young people learning their values from the internet you know i think opinion i want people to listen to me i want people to listen to everybody but our community is where we're grounded in in our values and we can't let let our moral compass shift away from things that we know that, that we got us here and also this the 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 tools the life skills the community skills the family skills that will keep us here. Absolutely. And you know what? Another thing, oh, their relationship is cute to me as all get out, right? Like Sierra and Russell have a really great camaraderie. And I think when you make statements like this, it's like a lot of that is being left on the table. She wasn't just searching for somebody who had the bag, but who had the money. No, that wasn't where she was coming from. And, and she talked so much about what she prayed for, what she was on her knees for after she had gone through so many other things and how she was really, you know, like, you know, uh, cautious about the next relationship and she wanted to make sure that it was going to be for the long haul. So there's a lot, I think, of, of thought and prayer and activity from on Sierra's side that really went into manifesting this relationship that she has with Russell. And you know what? Again, I don't know them personally. And like you said last week, you know, they abandoned us here in Seattle. So maybe it's not the same in terms of our fervor for them, but just seeing how they are and even some of their videos that we see posted online, it's a fun, loving family family and shout out to them for doing what they got to do. There's nothing wrong with being in love, you know, uplifting your family, going, working hard every day, you know what I'm saying? And just trying to, to, to do what, what's right. 
And we, we need to also uplift that with the same amount of fervor. That doesn't make you corny. It doesn't at all. Just make sure, man. We're going to take a quick break right now. Let's do break three, Salman. When we come back, we're talking about the soul pole here on the Morning Update Show. Hey there, it's Trey Holiday. And of course, Besa and I had to take a trip back to Market Street Shoes to grab some items. They always know what to show us. And let me tell you, we both spent quality time to be sure we collected some amazing additions to our wardrobes. They have some of the most unique bags, shoes, and accessories. I mean, the whole shebang. It's always a good time when I get to shop with my girl, Basa. Make sure you go check out Market Street Shoes, y'all, and you too can walk out with some dope gear. When the pandemic hit, it did affect me. As a barber, I had my own personal reasons why I didn't get vaccinated. At the time, I didn't check the actual source. I thought the vaccine was developed too fast, but I was talking to a doctor and he was telling me more about the vaccine and what it can do to protect us and our family. I wanted to get back to that once was, right? I do feel safe knowing that I am vaccinated. I just hope what I'm saying is reaching into people's heads to know that this is the best decision for all of us. All right. Welcome back. You see right there circling Seattle sports today at four o'clock. Man, one, I love that show because it's a great sports show with, with Chuck and Bell. And two, I love that show because my son, Omi, he's the producer. Yeah, look, I mean, it runs in the family. He's doing great work. Great job to the whole team over there at circling Seattle sports. All right. So um, last week, the soul pole was reinstalled. The soul pole up there on 23rd and Yesler. We've been following the story. Uh, even before they removed it, the soul pole went went up there, I mean, 69, 70, a long time ago, and is a, a carved pole to represent black people's journey here in America. And over the years, it had gotten very deteriorated and everything else. And they removed the soul pole. And remember, Stephanie Johnson Tolliver, before they removed the soul pole, like, man, her, the alarm bells went off. She was like, man, they remove it. Is it going to come back? And a great moment there uh, on 23rd and Yesler last week with the reinstallation of, of the Soul Pole. We got a clip right here from the Seattle Channel. You'll see Stephanie Johnson Talbert and also Elijah Mouid, who is the son of the original carver of the Soul Pole. It's so wonderful this, this day, seeing everyone in the community, this fabulous day in the neighborhood. Uh, return of the Soul Pole to 23rd and Yesler. Um, it was probably just about a year ago this month when I stood here on this spot with uh, Seattle Public Library representatives and uh, folks from Converge Media to talk about the importance, significance, the history of the Soul Pole, and also just a little anxiety about the fact that it was going to be deinstalled. I wanted to say that the pole, the soul pole represents uh, the tenacity and significance of the African-American footprint in the Central District. Um, this is a, a beacon on this corner, and I'm so proud today to see it back and just, you know, kind of fighting back to tears, just a teensy here. I'm Elijah Mouid. I am the oldest son of Rakib Mouid, formerly Gregory X, who was the art director at the Rotary Boys Club at the time. Uh, I wanna say it was 1969 that the pole was actually carved. Uh, so 
there's there's legacy for us. So right. this is a very happy, happy uh, event for me. He carved the top piece, the, the head, which represents uh, African-American awakening, our freedom, which many of us know we're still working on that to this day. For me, this is a culmination of a legacy that his children, including myself, my sisters and brothers, still to this day do our part as artists and creatives to further along. In closing, I want to uh, give a little shout out to my dad. Um, may the memory of Rocky Muid forever be cherished. May his legacy live on and may his people finally find their fuel and full humanity. Thank you. Wow, what a great moment indeed. And you know what? Oh, um, I'm just so glad to see it back there, you know, to, to be there, uh, watching and learning a little bit more about the restoration of the wood. Um, I learned a lot. And, you know, this is something that is so, uh, touching for many of us in community. So to see it back in its rightful place is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. We actually got some, you, you were there. Yeah. We got some pictures here. This is a picture of you. Um, stand right there at the Soul Pole. You can find these right there on the Seattle Public Library's uh, Instagram page. And then we got a shot here of the actual Soul Pole itself. Mm -hmm. And right right there, <clears throat> excuse me, on 2013 Yesler, the Soul Pole has returned home. You heard Stephanie Johnson Tolliver right there mention Converge Media. Um, and we've been documenting the process all along. And um, we got a great segment that's going to be coming out in a few weeks. Um, we went behind the scenes over there at Art Tech and we, we talked to the restoration team and everything else. So we're excited about that. Definitely excited about it. And honestly, uh, learned so much throughout that process. And, you know, what I was telling Stephanie uh, last week while I was there at, at the Soul Pole uh, installation, I just said, you know what, I'm so grateful to you for making sure that we knew that this was coming, that we knew about this story. And I'm grateful that she really followed it through to be sure that it made its way back right there to the library on 23rd and Yesler. All right, good stuff. I, we're going to skip the last break here so we can get this in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over the <clears throat> over the weekend, you caught up with G. Prez Aspie, Presidential Transportation, and you and a bunch of amazing, beautiful black couples went on a winery tour. I will play a clip right here. All right, y'all, Trey Holiday right here. We just partnered up with Presidential Transportation for a group binary tour with these amazing couples behind me. Lots of black love in the building. And let me tell you, we went to two different wineries. Prez made sure that everybody got that Presidential Transportation treatment. Shout out to the whole Presidential Transportation team. They just killed it. And let me tell you something. If you guys are looking for that next level of experience, getting Presidential Transportation anywhere you want to go in the, in the state, let me tell you, these guys are the ones to do it. These guys right here just experiencing what they like. Building. It's your girl, Trey Holiday. Shout out to Presidential Transportation. Y'all killed it. One, two, three. 
Oh, black love in the building. Indeed. Let me tell you, I was so inspired by those couples. We're going to be having some great clips coming out later on. You guys will be seeing those around their love stories. So once again, they were all talking about how they love the black love when we met series right here on Converge. And I just got to say, you know, for, for all those couples, their stories were phenomenal, but Prez did it again, man. He always really takes it to another level. And I wasn't kidding there when I say presidential transportation uh, provides great services. And so I'm looking forward to the next one, man. Prez is doing these things. You know, you guys got to check out his website and get connected. Yeah. Can I get an invite next time, Prez? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I can't can't get on a wine tour. Like, what's happening, man? We're going to have to talk after the show. You know what I'm saying? All right. Speaking of after the show, I want to remind everybody, got a few show notes here. Four o'clock today. Again, Circle in Seattle Sports, Chuck Hamaker and Bell Garcia bringing us up on everything, all the latest in sports news across the city of Seattle. Then tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m., there he is, the truth with proof, the truth with proof. Man, and he's got, man, he's got a real interesting show. And the best thing is, is proof on his shows, he brings in food. Yeah. And so, so last time I had the hot link corn dog from Sean Thomas, and this week they're bringing in uh, moose and it's moose burgers. So we're gonna have moose burgers tomorrow night. So you want to tune into that, and that's a live show there as well. Trey Holiday, we're up against the hour. Any last words before we get out of here? Last words for me, always the same. See yourself as part of the solution. It's necessary, even as we we're just talking about participatory budgeting. Make sure that your voice is heard in that way. Uh, you know, you have opportunities to participate just as a regular community member uh, or a Seattle light. If you're outside of Seattle and you live in one of those unincorporated areas of King County that are doing participatory budgeting, there are two options right there for you to see yourself as a part of the solution. All right, good stuff. Me and Trey Holiday, we're doing discussions all this week, right? We don't, we don't have any guest schedule this week because we switched some stuff around and we rescheduled our, our beloved week. So that being said, man, let us know in the comments. Tell us tell us what kind of things you want to talk. You know, I always got something to say about all kinds of stuff, yeah. but we want to know what you guys want to hear us discussing here. Take a moment, put it in the comments. Um, and yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's discuss. Yep. Yep. So man, this is Monday in the books. Want to thank everybody for watching. We're going to leave you with a little bit of hope from Shana Shepard. And we want to remind you to go forward in your purpose, go forward in your humanity. And until tomorrow at 11 AM, peace. What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know. I've been running on the edge of a sundown, sleeping in the shadow. I've been begging you to see me, then hiding beyond the unreachable. Looking now left on a right hand turn, just trying to Stay.
produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.